very important thing, mate. I'm Captain Jack Sparrow. It is my intention to commandeer one of these ships, pick up a crew and Tortuga, raid, pillage, plunder, and otherwise pilfer my Weasley Black Guts out. I said no lies! I think he's telling the truth. If he were telling the truth, he wouldn't have told us. Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he told it to you. You are, without doubt, the worst pirate I've ever heard of. But you have heard of me. I feel like Kaneda is the Captain Jack Sparrow of the pinball podcasting world. You know, you heard of me, and even if I told you the truth, you wouldn't really believe me. But what is the truth on Pirates of the Caribbean pinball? We're going to find out on this episode of Kaneda's Pinball Podcast. One of the Pirates of the Caribbean owners reached out to me after my last podcast and said, Chris, I'd love to come on the show and explain to you why I think this game is the greatest of all time. So we're going to have him on in a few minutes. His name is Derek. Awesome guy. He owns two, not one, but two Pirates of the Caribbean machines. Uh, One for each of his homes, which is absolutely incredible. Uh, And I think you're going to enjoy it. And I think you're going to realize that this man that does this podcast, I do have an open mind and I am very passionate about pinball. And I have given Pirates of the Caribbean many, many, many chances to win me over. Now, here's my thing. Here's my thing. And I want to talk about this a little bit before I air the interview. How many times do I have to go play a Pirates of the Caribbean on location when it's not set up the right way? How many different places do I have to go to before I actually stand in front of a machine that is set up properly? And that's pretty much what happened again at Sunshine Laundromat. So Serge, who showed me the game, I could even see it in his face. He kind of felt disappointed that all the stuff he explained to me was great in theory, but if you get in front of a machine that doesn't have the flippers set up right, that doesn't have the treasure chest working properly, if the upper play field is not rocking the right way, if the you know the ejection scoops are firing the ball incorrectly, it'll send it right down the middle. A lot of those things were just maybe happening on the machine I was in front of. Now, but that being said, all the other Stern machines we played were playing perfectly. Dialed In was playing perfectly. Monster Bash was playing perfectly. So why is it that we were playing an 11-year-old Lord of the Rings LE and it shot flawlessly? And yet we get in front of Pirates of the Caribbean, a brand new machine, and it's not really working apparently the way it's supposed to. And so the other thing I want to just tell you guys is this. I, I get why you love the game. I get why you love the game. But somewhere, somewhere between delusion and delight, the truth about this game lies. And, and, and by that, I don't mean like lies, like the, you know, lying. I mean, just like where, where it stands. See, I look at the top 100 on Pinside right now, and this game is ranked the fourth best game of all time. I mean, come on. Seriously. It's not the fourth best pinball machine ever made. Um, of course, everyone leaving reviews are the owners. Everyone in the thread are the owners. But here's the other question is this. If this game is the fourth greatest pinball machine of all time, why isn't it sold out? Why are people not buying this game? Why are why are they still sitting in boxes at distributors and they're still available? Well, why is that? 
I, I, everyone knows they're not going to make these games anymore come the end of March. Uh, and why aren't the collector's editions being gobbled up? What, what's, what's the deal? Like, is everyone just ignorant? Or maybe, just maybe, it's not everyone's cup of tea. And that's okay. That's okay. My opinion about Pirates of the Caribbean, it, it might be different than your opinion. Uh, the consumers out there who don't like the game, they might not be going into the thread and articulating why they don't like it. Uh, there is a little bit of a vacuum occurring in the Pirates of the Caribbean thread in which everyone is just patting each other on the back. Uh, but for people who don't like it, they're probably just not even there telling you why they don't enjoy the game. Now, look, look, first of all, before I even say that, Probably one of the reasons why it's been so quiet in terms of the counterpoint on Pirates of the Caribbean is that Hilton, our friend who is notorious for going into games he doesn't own and, and crapping all over the thread, he is banned from Pinside for 30 days. Have you noticed how nice it's been? on Pinside lately without him there. I was wondering, like, where is he? Usually he's in every single Stern thread crapping on the machines, and it's been really, really nice. I think the moderator should realize without him on Pinside, it's a much better experience. All right, so back to Pirates. So now look, look, I know a lot of you think I'm, I'm going in with a closed mind, that I have a prejudice against this machine, that no matter what I experience, no matter what I play, my mind won't change on the game. And I'm here to tell you that that's not, that's not true. I would love to play this machine in the right way, set up properly, where I'm going to see the magic that you guys see who enjoy it so much. But, but, let me also say that when I hear a lot of you talk about why this game is great, it is missing a, a big thing that's important to me, and that is the theme and the theme integration. And, and, and I hear your explanations. I've read so many people talk about it. And you're going to see when I interview Derek about this game, it's almost like this game is great despite the theme, right? And this game is a really amazing and fun pinball exercise, but it's not a really amazing way to bring the Pirates of the Caribbean movies to life. And if you love theme and theme integration, I don't know how you can enjoy Pirates of the Caribbean the way you can a Hobbit or a Batman 66 or a Munsters or a Guardians of the Galaxy, right? I mean, and look, not every game is perfect when it comes to theme integration, but don't you understand that they fired the guy who inked the deal because they realized the lack of assets was a horrible deal. Like the only, it's Jersey Jack Pinball as a company isn't happy with the way this game was in terms of assets and the and the way they were able to make this game. It, and, and, and I think the game on a lot of levels for me suffers because of that. Now look, I think they did an amazing job with what they had to work with, right? They, they really did. The team who made this game, they really pulled a rabbit out of a hat considering how limited the resources were. I still think it was absolutely crazy when they were told what the resources would be for the game and the assets would be that they still went ahead and made it. I, I, I don't understand how nobody was like, what the fuck? We can't use any footage. We can't show any characters from the movie on the screen. Who the fuck inked this deal, right? So maybe some people can't get over that hump. Now, like, I'm, I won't even say I'm one of those people. I just don't like the theme in general. So, okay, there's that. I'm allowed to not like a theme of a pinball machine. Now, when you play the machine itself, 
Uh, I look. I think that there's a lot in it, but I'm I'm not blown away by what's physically in the game. And again, I'm allowed to have that opinion. It's a wide body game. The rocking upper play field. It is cool. It is neat. What I I don't like about it, and I still don't like about it, and I still experienced this many many times. Off of the left flipper, there were many times I hit the ball right up the ramp and it just like limp dick falls over the right side of the upper play field. And I was like, like just, I just felt like that was such a, that's such a weird, awkward thing for the ball to do when it's up there the way it just falls off this side. I just didn't like that. All right. Okay. Am I allowed not to like that? I don't know. All right. I also, I think the cannon shot is really cool. I also think the cannon shot in the game is very underwhelming and not very theatrical and should have been much cooler. It should have been a shot that, first of all, you can't even see when you walk up to this game that there's a fucking cannon in the ship. You can't. It doesn't even look like a cannon. It just looks like a little silver tray sticking out of the of the ship. Now, come on. Come on. All the engineering prowess that this game apparently has, they couldn't make the cannon look like a fucking cannon. And then the shot is so small. Uh, Again, compared to the shot in Houdini with the milk can, why wasn't the Pirates of the Caribbean cannon shot better thought out? Why wasn't it designed to look more impressive? And that's that's just my take on it. I, I really think they could have done a cannon shot that went across the entire play field. All right. All right. And also, like, when you think about, like, the crossbow and ACDC, how much more fun is it to shoot when it's actually moving from left to right and then you can actually see and aim and then, boom, fire. And there's so much, there's such a rewarding thing when you can see that. This one, not so much. It's kind of just rocking up and down. All right. All right. But it is very cool. I will still say, for all you Pirates lovers out there, this is the coolest upper play field I've ever seen in a pinball machine. I think it is the nicest upper play field we've ever had. Now, that's, it's not the stiffest of competition, but it's very nice. All right, from there, uh, the treasure chest, completely underwhelming, completely underwhelming. It just sits there. It's a physical ball lock, and on the machine I played and on multiple machines I've played, that mechanism is very finicky, and there's a good chance it's not going to be working right. And again, I stick to my point. When the ball goes up there and it kind of is squeezing out, it's just a really, to me, an, an uneventful part of the game. All right. Then you've got the starry night, which is in the back of the game. And you'll hear when we talk to Derek, it's kind of just there. It's it's not really implemented that well into the game. And it's I don't know. It's kind of meaningless to me when I play the game. All right. All right. So we're we're on the toys, right? The left uh, maelstrom uh, sort of whirlpool ramp, I think is really cool. I do like that. I like that ramp a lot. I think it's really, really satisfying. I love it when it diverts the ball and it sort of like bounces around and goes down into the whirlpool. Love it. Think that is really great. Visually very stunning. Very cool. All right. But then you're kind of done. You're kind of done with toys in the game. There really aren't any more toys in the game that are that exciting. Uh, they're, they're the magnet where the ball is trapped by the mode select. I mean, come on. There's not really much there. There's a lot of scoops. There's a lot of subways. There's a lot of the balls traveling. But again, nothing's like, wow, magical. Wow, where'd the ball go? Where'd it come from? No, I don't get that feeling. The spinning disc in the middle, uh, I it just it never really impacted gameplay. Now, I don't know how the spinning disc on the machine we played at Sunshine could have been off by much. It just, Yeah, of course, it, 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 
it grabs the ball a little bit, but it really doesn't do much. And then I find I found the compass on the apron completely pointless. Like you're never watching it. You're never watching it. You're playing the game. You're playing the game. Now look. Now look, everybody, everybody out there. I am very passionate about pinball. I I have not had an experience after playing Pirates of the Caribbean for a few hours that has blown me away, that has says, wow, this is the greatest game of all time. Okay. Now maybe some of your inflated expectations of the game and reviews of the game have made me a little bit jaded. And it, it, am I, it, it, I'm sorry. That's just how I am. It's like when people tell you it's the best movie ever and you go see it and it's not the best movie ever. Sometimes it's better to lower expectations when you go into an experience and you'll come out more uh, satisfied. I think that's fair to say. So here's what I want to say before I air the interview. I am very happy that a lot of you out there are loving your Pirates of the Caribbean games. That is all that matters. That is all that matters. If I crap on a game, if I don't like a game, if I think a game falls short of my expectations of pinball, I'm allowed to have those opinions. And if you disagree and you want to come on the show and talk about it, let's talk about it. And I think when you hear this interview, you're going to hear uh, a lot of passion about the game. You're going to hear a good dialogue about the game. Uh, we're not arguing. We're not fighting. I'm not shitting on Derek's point of view on the game. And I respect that. And I respect all of you in this community uh, because you love pinball. And if you have a different opinion than mine, that's fine. It's absolutely fine. And I really do respect Derek for coming on the show immediately because there's a lot of you on Pinside who talk really loud, who say this about Canada, you make fun of me, you call me names, you call me closed-minded, you call me a hypocrite because I bought a Batman SLE and I said LE owners are wimps and they are wimps and I'm a wimp. I'm the biggest wimp of all time. We're all suckers. We all get weak around the knees when, when a machine we want is in front of us. We're all the same. You see, the rest of the world looks at us like we're the biggest losers, okay? They do. Don't, don't, don't ever for a moment think because you're into pinball it makes you cool. It doesn't. I've checked with the ladies and they said, nah, no way, man. No way, Chico. It ain't cool. I'm not, don't worry. I'm not going to go back to Tony Montagna, all right? So that's just where we're at. We all love it. We all have ex extreme opinions about these games. I do think Pirates of the Caribbean will be a polarizing title. I think for that reason, they're not selling out. Uh, I think people who have it will love it. If the word of mouth on the game is great and the momentum picks up on it and people really want one, uh, they can still get one right now. It's going to be hard to get one in the future. Uh, but we know there's a lot coming from Jersey Jack. There's a lot coming from Stern, a lot from Deep Root. It's a really good time to be in the hobby. I don't think this is the fourth best pinball machine of all time. Some people do. And it's okay. It is okay. I know why it's frustrating for people who love the game because it says to me one thing. They do understand that this show has influence, that they don't want to hear me crap on a game that they love. I wouldn't want to hear that. When I was like, when I was just a little neophyte in the pinball world and I listened to Nate Shivers, like what he said about stuff meant a lot. Like it influenced the way I would think about stuff. And I know that you don't want to hear me crap on the game. So I think you're going to enjoy this interview with Derek. I think you're going to see that I allowed someone to come on and have the floor and explain why uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is the greatest of all time. Okay? 
Is that fair? Is, that, is Canada being fair and balanced? I hope you enjoy it. This show gets right to it. There's plenty of other podcasts out there, um, plenty of other podcasters who love Pirates of the Caribbean, but this is Canada Spinball Podcast, and we will do it the way we do it, all right? So let me just air this. I might do another show with some news and, and whatnot, but there's not too much news going on. We all know that. So let me just let you hear, Derek. I'll come in at the end, and I'll do a little sign-off, and then I will let you have your day back. How does that sound? Here is Pirates of the Caribbean interview. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you might have heard my last podcast where I go off on a tangent rant on Pirates of the Caribbean, and a listener of the show heard that and said, Canada, you're full of shit. I want to come on. I want to talk about the merits of this game. Derek, welcome to Canada Spinball Podcast. Thanks for having me, Canada. And, and Derek... For a listener of the show, how many Pirates of the Caribbeans do you own? <laughs> so I own two. I've actually unboxed three. So I bought one last December, and um, I, I have a job that requires me to be in another state most of the time. So I've got a permanent game room and then like a crash pad when I'm at work. So um, I bought one while I was home on vacation for Christmas fell in love with it. And I was like, I was so into the game. I didn't want to stop playing when I went back. So I ordered another one and had it delivered and, um, unboxed that one. And then my pinball buddy out there who loves pinball and plays with me all the time, got addicted to it and he bought a CE. And so I went over to his house and helped him set up a CE. So I've, I've done three of these things. Two of them are mine at the moment. Okay. So wait, so why, why two though? Are they in just different locations? Yeah. 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 Different States. Okay. Wow. All right. That I, first of all, I want to do what you do for a living, but we'll, <laughs> we won't go into that. So you've got two of them in different states. Um, so you're a huge fan. And you said you bought your first one in December of this year. Last year, yeah. Okay. And so let's talk first about the purchasing it. So was it just at a distributor? You, did, you, did you see the game last year at Expo? You weren't on a pre-order list, so you just sort of played it and got excited and bought it? Well, let me talk about my history with this game. So I bought a Star Wars two years ago. That was my first pin. And I've been looking for another one like that that had a, you know, a lot of depth and a lot of challenge and, and would take me a long time before I got bored of it. And I saw the Pirates announcements. I got excited about it. I wanted a JJP because I think their machines are really cool. They do you know, very rich experiences with lots of toys and lots of cool things. But I didn't want a Waz. It just didn't resonate with me. Don't like Hobbit. And dialed in, verdict's still out. I want to play dialed in at a home. Uh, I don't think on location you can really get enough. Um, you know, I, I, the verdict's out on that one. But anyway, they announced Pirates. I was excited about it. I put down a deposit. My buddy that I mentioned earlier did the same. We were both excited about it. Um, I played it at TPF last year, but that I still I didn't really get a good uh, vibe off the game because it's a loud environment. There's a line of people behind you. You really only get to play once and get back in line. And so you can't get a flow going and start to understand it, figure it out. So I, you know, I didn't really know if I liked it or not, but I was still in. And then all the nerfs happened where they nerfed the chest and they nerfed the disc. And at that point I'm like, eh, okay, no, it's no longer a buy side unseen for me. I want to play it first. And um, so I pulled my deposit and, you know, they cheerfully refunded it. JJP was great. Um, but you know, I, I did pull the deposit to just to wait and see. And so last December, when I was here, my pinball friend here in Texas uh, said, hey, I found a Pirates. It's at Cidercade in Dallas. you got to come check it out. We, you know, we've been playing it. It's awesome. So I'm like, okay. 
So I did. And once I played it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, I've made a huge mistake pulling the deposit. I need to have one of these. And so at that point, I contacted a distributor and, and had one sent. Okay. And did you miss the features they pulled out or you didn't really feel like they were big changes to the game? Uh, I do think they were big changes to the game. I do wish that those changes were still in, and I'm sure that Eric Minier would agree. But um, I feel like the gameplay is so strong that even without them, it's totally fine, and it's a terrific game. Okay, so let's do this, because people have listened to my ranting and raving about the game. You love the game. What I want to do is just sort of ask you a few questions, Derek, and then we'll get into more of like the game itself. But I want to ask some broad questions about the game. If you were to talk to someone about the game who's playing it for the first time, what would you tell a brand new player to the game what the objective of the game is? So I, I usually start people off by saying it's based around five movies. There's five different multiballs. They're fairly easy to understand. Movie one multiball is all about the boat. You want to get it on the boat and shoot the cannon. Movie two is all about the chest. You want to lock the chest and lock three balls in the chest. Movie three is about the maelstrom. You get that once you've hit all the shots in the game and make the maelstrom. Movie four is about ripping the loop in the center of the game, which is really a you know the centerpiece of the game, in my opinion. And movie five is about ripping the spinner off in the left corner that's pretty hard to hit. You probably won't, you know, you'll have to work up to that one. It's a difficult shot. So that's really just how I get people started. So there's the multi-balls. Most people want to get the ball on the boat and shoot the cannon. That's the very first goal that draws people in. And that, that's what drew me in at first as well. Now, but let me ask you, let me stop you there. So like if you walk up to the game though, and it's not pretty clear that there's even a cannon shot, right? Unless you're aware of its existence, because you really can't see it visually. No, that's fair. That's a fair point. Um, when I rolled up on this game, my buddy had already been playing it and he said, hey, there's a skill shot behind the cannon. If you shoot a skill shot, it'll put the ball up on the, or behind the pearl, rather. There's a skill shot behind the pearl. It'll put the ball up there, and here's how you shoot the cannon. Like, he told me that right off the bat. Right. And so, you know, admittedly, if you're walking up to a cold and there's not anybody there, that part is probably not obvious. Okay. And one of my criticisms has been sort of the the lack of narrative that sort of connects all of those, you know, different five chapters and multi-balls that get to wizard modes. Is there like a, a singular narrative in the game, though, or is it more about getting to multi-ball, getting to wizard mode, you know, getting through all five of those to get to the sixth and final wizard mode? Is that is that the objective versus like a story-driven narrative? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's story-driven necessarily. It's kind of framed around the movie stories, but they're not important. Um, you know, I've kind of joked to people that the theme on this game is the least important thing about it. It really doesn't matter very much in my view. This could be like IRS, you know, tax return pinball, and it would still be fun just so, because of the way so that the shots and the layout are. But, but Derek, because that is, that to me, I think, and for other people out there, is, is sort of the center of some of the controversy or polarizing nature of the game is, I, you, so you love it so much more on a pinball level than on a theme level. Yes. Okay. And so if you're a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean and you're looking for a game that brings the movies you love, even though there's probably not many people that love all five movies, would you say like this doesn't necessarily integrate the theme as well as other games? Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's probably a fair point. Um, if you're a Pirates of the Caribbean fan and you super love Johnny Depp and you super love these movies, you're not going to get a lot of the movie love out of it, probably. 
right. just because of the licensing issues that you know took out so many of the video assets and things of that nature. Do you wish so they that, would? That's just... absolutely a fair point. But there is another Pirates of the Caribbean pin in the world if that's your thing. Right. Do you wish they would have just made a generic pirate game and not even bothered with the the movie? Uh yeah, I, I don't think it would have mattered ultimately. Right. Okay. So, I mean, you do get though, right? When people look at this game and they look at the theme integration and they look at the, like even the Hobbit versus this, right? I mean, there's just, the Hobbit has a, like a, a mountain of assets from the film. So if you saw those movies, you're going to see a lot of the scenes. When you get into a mode in Pirates, because that was something that I also like was like, well, you kind of enter a mode and it's it's a scene from the film, but then... From there, it becomes more of a pinball exercise and hitting the right shots versus seeing, you know, that scene in the movie play out visually. Is that is that a fair assessment of like how you get through the modes? It's more about the shots versus feeling like you're you're getting through the story of the, of each mode. Yes, um, the 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 chapters in each movie are not connected together in a linear way that tells a story. The chapters of each movie are overlaid on a pinball game. So that, okay, this scene happened with these people, so that's going to break down to these shots. And right. so, you know, that's what it's about. Right. Um, it, it is not connected in a story kind of a way. Okay. But I would also argue it's a pinball game, not a video game, and it's not a movie. You've presumably already seen the movies, and, you know, that's not what we're here to do. Right. How, how long, Derek, did it take you to sort of understand the game? Uh, I would say I understood it fairly readily. Um, you know, I'm pretty quick at explaining it to, to newbies now, and so I can usually get people up to speed within the one or two minute time frame you mentioned. Um, I was, uh, yeah, I didn't get all of it at first, for sure, and I broke out the manual because they go into pretty nice detail in the manual and and things like that. Um, okay. But I, I got the general notion of how to get the multi balls going and how to get a chapter going fairly quickly. Right. All right. And so, so I think some of the streams that I've watched, it just felt like, you know, they, it took them a really long time to sort of explain the game. And I, I, I even made fun a little bit when Eric was talking to Jack Danger about it. It was like 15 minutes before they're even plunging. And I'm like, oh, man, like it, 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 to your point, in one to two minutes, you can kind of get people going. Do you think Jersey Jack you know, when they explain the game, sometimes they're going way too deep too initially, and that might be a turnoff for people. Well, okay. I think that you have to, you've got to take the audience and the people into consideration on this. You're talking about the guy who made the game, who obviously is super passionate and wants to expose everything. You know, he wants to say, this is what this does. This is what this does. And it's to a pinball, you know, diehard pinball fan podcast. So he's, you know, the assumption there is that this audience wants that level of detail and wants to understand everything. When you have somebody over to your house and you say, hey, let's play pinball, let's play pirates. Nobody wants to sit there for 15 minutes and understand everything. They just want to get the basics and get to start playing. Yeah. And that was sort of like, you know, I feel like for that podcast, it was the right thing. Yeah. And that was sort of like me yesterday when Serge was explaining the game to me where we're there with like two beers in hand. And, you know, we're in this like barcade and I'm like, God, I just want to play, you know? And so I, 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 after like three, four minutes, I was like, all right, just give me one mission to go for and, and let's start and, and, and go from there. Now, if you don't know this stuff though, and this is just something about pinball, right? Do you, do you think without that tutorial, there's enough to pick up on intuitively if you just started playing? 
there are some hints. So the callouts are pretty good about this. You know, once you've managed to hit the chest locks, you know, Gibbs will say, shoot the chest to lock a ball. Mm-hmm. Once Maelstrom multi-ball is ready, he'll say, shoot the Maelstrom, you know. So the callouts are pretty good at nudging you to do something that's going to give you a reward in the form of a multi-ball. Um, the display on the bottom near the lock bar also is good at pointing you to what you need to do if you're confused. But that it is easy to overlook if you're not, uh, you know, right. if you don't know to look there. Right. All right. So I want to talk a lot about a lot of things, but I want to know from you, Derek, before I, I, I keep going through my notes, like what, what just, what do you love about the game? You know, what, what, What's your favorite thing about pirates? So I've got a couple of things. Um, the first thing I'd say is I love the loop shot from the upper flipper. It's super fun to whip that thing several times. It gets a little harder each time because it keeps accelerating. And if you can whip that guy several times and then smash the gold targets, you just get an explosion of gold. And so that's a lot of fun to do. Um, the multi balls are super exciting because if you get one, you want to add more multi balls to it. And it's, you know, there's kind of a mini goal of getting all six multiballs going at once, all five movies plus the Tortuga multiball. And if you do that, there's a visual reward on the screen for that. But that in itself is fun to try and shoot for. And it's like, if you're in this multiball and you just drained your next to the last ball, then multiball is about to shut down and you can make a shot to start another multiball in just enough time, then it resurrects that multiball and keeps it going. And that's like, yeah, I, did, I kept it running. And then. You know, it's it's that is just a huge source of fun for me. So you can Honestly, stack the multi so, so Derek, you can stack the multi ball. Like you can go multi ball on top of multi ball on top of multi ball. Yes, and that is a huge source of joy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it sparks That's joy. That's cool. It's cool. I, you know, and how hard is it to do that? It, yesterday we were like playing. Either either Serge and I were are just effing terrible, but it was it was hard is it hard to do that in the game or is it is it is it pretty obtainable to get two and three going within a single game it's very obtainable um even you know newbies to pinball are able to get one or two going usually in my experience and and start to to feel that excitement and get what it's about what's the easiest one to start out with if if a you know a newbie is going to step up to the game the very easiest one, uh, this is a tie between two. The easiest one is the chest. And since you were playing with a borked chest fork, you know, you, you're going to have a bad time if that shot is not nailed. Um, but when that guy is, is, is correct, the chest shot is the easiest one. It's the easiest shot to make. You only have to do it three times. Um, and you know, that's the easiest multiball. The second easiest would be the At World's End movie three multiball, because that one usually happens on its own by the end of your third ball or, or by the start of your third ball. Um, you've eventually hit all you have to do to get that one is hit all the nine major shots in the game. And I think it even gives you a shot each ball for free. So by ball three, that the maelstrom is usually qualified for multi-ball. And if you can make that guy, you get that multi-ball. Okay. Now you touched on something that I, I touched on, on my rant yesterday, which by the way, listener, I took it down. I put it back up. I don't know. I'm still on, I'm on the fence about whether I was too strident and angry about the game, but the mechanisms and the and the setup of this game is is very very important to getting the proper experience probably more than most games i've played recently it's very finicky and it, it's very you know fragile to the setup and so when the treasure chest isn't working right or a scoop is firing incorrectly or the flipper powers are weak or the angle is off it really really impacts the way this game plays what what are your thoughts on that, Derek? Do you think this is a really hard game for location play because of those factors? 
I do. Um, I, I actually, I'm kind of, uh, after having, you know, owned and set up a couple, I'm kind of surprised that the one that I found on location was working well. Um, cause you're right. It is a tweaky game. It takes a lot of things to get, uh, to get it working perfectly. No question about it. Have you, have you had issues out of the box on all three you opened? Yes. The, the first one I had several issues. The second one, I, I, I had a self-induced issue. There's one adjustment you have to make to the Pearl ramp and I over-adjusted and snapped off a screw. So I had to get a part to fix that. Um, the uh, third one I helped set up for my buddy had a broken wire underneath the Pearl. Otherwise it was fine. Right. So what do you think? Do you think they were rushing these games on the line or just what, what do you think happened with, with these like little, it's a lot of little issues, right? I mean, it was like nothing major. Yeah. It's nothing major. Most of it. I mean, if you know what to look for and what to fix, it's most likely solvable by yourself, you know, without getting parts most of the time. Um, and I've tried to, I've got a list that I've been keeping online of all the things that keep coming up um, on a recurring basis to try and help people because it's it's a really bad experience to buy this game that costs a lot of money and you wait for it to come and you invite your buddy over because you got to have two people to unbox a pen and you're like, we're going to have a good time. We're going to lift this thing up the stairs, but then we're going to have fun playing it and you can't play. So right. I hate that. I don't want anybody to have that experience. So, right. you know, I'm trying to kind of, you know, collect these issues and help people help themselves. Right. And the pin side thread, I will say, I mean, it's a, it's a great place to go and, and get solutions on any issues because almost every single issue out of box has been identified and tackled by the community, which is great. Um, yeah. I still think there should be a separate troubleshooting thread, right? Because I think people who are excited about the game and come to the owner's thread are, are finding it to be more of a troubleshoot thread than an actual gameplay discussion thread. So maybe over time that'll that'll even out. But what are your thoughts, Derek, on the fact that this seems to be the last month that they're going to make pirates? Like, why do you think that is? Well, um, you know, we can only speculate. I would, my best guess, and I know nothing about pinball. I mean, I'm just a guy. But my best guess is that the license probably had a time limit on it. And... You know, they lost a lot of time with the delays getting the game out and, you know, coming to the decision to modify the disc and all that kind of stuff. And so I think they're probably running up against a time limit that they need to hit. That's my guess. Right. And we're hearing that Wonka is next for the line after another Wizard of Oz run. Uh, I think Jack's like learned a lesson. We've talked about it, that when you stockpile parts, you got to make sure the demand is there. Do you think do you think that a man for pirates is going to pick up right at the moment in which supply runs out? I really do. I honestly believe that because I think that the game is so fun and so rewarding that it really is one of the greats. I mean, right now it's number four on Pinside Top 100. Now the honeymoon effect has you know something to do with that from all the people who just got their games, but you know we'll see where it settles out over time. But now, I, I suspect it's going to be top ten at least. Do you think this is the greatest game of all time? I do. I really do. Uh, you know, I, I've got opportunity to play lots of pins. I've got a, a buddy in uh, the Bay Area who's got an amazing collection. He pretty much has all the top 20 pins. And Pirates is the only one I want to play right now. It is phenomenal. I love playing it. I'm not even remotely sick of it yet. Right. Well, when you play, anyway, and we all know that pinball is a subjective form of entertainment, right? So sure, sure. I, I, I'm glad you enjoy it. I mean, I've always said, like, it, I. I always want people to enjoy pinball and, and some someone's 
darling machine might be someone else's disastrous machine. So what games do you currently have in your lineup? I've only got two. I've got Star Wars and Pirates. Okay, so I've also like ragged on Star Wars in terms of a theme integration pin, but you seem to enjoy it. Now, are you a huge Star Wars fan or you just like it for the speed and the flow? Like what's what's your deal on that game? Well, so Star Wars is the game that got me into pinball. And I just, I saw it at CAX. I used to be an arcade collector. And so I'm into video arcade games. And I saw it at CAX and I thought that looks pretty interesting. And I had never really considered pins because they were really expensive. And I just, you know, it didn't seem like something I wanted to get into. One of my buddies that was at CAX who is into pins was kind of schooling me on it. He says, look, you know, these things generally hold most of their value. And so, you know, they become sort of an investment that you can play. And I'm like, well, okay, given that, what the hell? My wife is a huge Star Wars fan. I'm going to get a new inbox Star Wars and let's just see if I like it and see if, if I enjoy having a pin when I have full access to it in a quiet environment without having to share it with anybody, without anything that's broken. You know, let's, let me get the real pin experience and see what I think about it. And so, you know, to my surprise, I really did enjoy it. I mean, I honestly thought I would buy it, keep it for a month or two, sell it for whatever I could get back and move on with life. But I ended up, you know, really enjoying it. And from that point, going out and getting into other pins and looking for more pins that might interest me to buy. Okay. So, and you're pretty, pretty new to the pinball collecting community. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Two years. Okay. Well, so let's, let's talk a little bit more about pirates. And then Derek, do you mind if we talk a little bit more about the industry? I'm, I'm excited to talk to someone who's sort of brand new to it because you're coming sure. into the hobby. Uh, during a period in which a lot of us are saying it's a new golden era. And I'm curious to see what your thoughts on all, all the different manufacturers, you know, because everyone's, everyone's fighting for dollars from, from gentlemen like yourself. Uh, so for pirates, let's talk about the toys. And, and sure. I, I've, I've said like, it's a wide body game. There's a lot in it. What's your favorite toy in the game? Hmm. And I'll, I'll read you what I have as a list. I have the rocking ship. I have the treasure chest, the starry night, the spinning disc, the whirlpool ramp. Uh, you've got the compass. You've got the pop bumpers. There's a, I don't consider like subway systems to be toys. Uh, even pop bumpers is not really a toy. Um, yeah. But the main one is uh, usually the rocking ship and the cannon yeah, I, shot. I would say the ship is my favorite toy, but it's not the toys that draw me in on this pin. It's it's the layout and the shots. What? Okay, so let's talk about that. So in terms of layout, what do you love about the layout? So there's some easy shots in the middle. Chest is the easiest. The ramps are kind of moderate, I would consider, and they're kind of fun and rewarding to hit. I like the little toilet bowl effect in the Maelstrom when you the diverter pulls it down for the multi-ball. That's cool. Um, the edge shots, like the Devil's Triangle shot on the far left, is super rewarding to hit because you get a nice spinner rip off of it, and it's hard to hit. It's a difficult shot. And so that feels great. Is that off the, of the far tip of the right flipper to get that? Yes, exactly. Exactly, okay. yeah. And then the opposite of that guy, the extra ball shot, is even harder. That when you have to hit from the far tip of the left flipper, it's the far right shot. And to make that extra ball shot, when it's lit, you have to get a clean shot between those pop bumpers. If you hit a pop bumper, it disables the extra ball light. So you've got to get a perfect clean shot in there to get the extra ball. So when you get that one, that's just like, that's one of those moments of pinball elation where you're just like, yes. Oh, so you can, you, it, it's, they disqualify the shot if you hit a pop bumper. Yes. So there's a, there's a, there's a penalty for not hitting it smoothly. Yes. It has to be an absolute clean shot. Okay. All right. Well, how do you light extra ball? A couple of ways. 
Uh, one way is via a mystery award in the scoop. That just happens sometimes. I believe it can also happen from a map award. Uh, you can get it by um, getting the constellations from the star map. If you get 10 constellations, a light extra ball. You can also get it uh, via pirate inlane award. Okay. The star map is something I'm curious about because it, it's kind of this thing that like looks cool, but does it really play a role in the game? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Canada. I don't quite get all the constellations on it. Um, it. It does play a role. So the role that it plays is it depicts a constellation of stars that is a hint to a shot in the game. If you make that shot, little book opens and says constellation one of ten or whatever and gets you progress towards lighting that extra ball. Uh, so there is a, a point to trying to find those shots. But actually identifying what those constellations are is fairly difficult. Um, you know, for example, there's one that looks like a chest. And so it's kind of got a square and a round top. And you got to really stare at it for a while. And you, you kind of get to learn what these things are over time. Um, coming in cold, there's no way you're going to know what any of them are. It, um, it, it seems like a cool mechanism that, to, to your point, it just... It just doesn't seem like it's been implemented in a way. I mean, it'd be cool like if the whole game went dark, but only that was lit up, and then the stars all started blinking, and then it's it froze on what it was. You know, in a way that like put focus on it, because I think it gets a little bit lost and drowned out, and everything else going on in the game. The other thing that I was curious about, because a couple things, the spinning disc, right? We know it went from three to one. The map in the middle. I didn't really notice yesterday that that really had much of an impact on the gameplay itself, uh, and it just sort of seemed to go off randomly. Is can you like what's going on with with the spinning middle? Like, is it is it just like a random thing, or is it does it really signify anything happening in the game itself? Well, it starts spinning when you hit the map targets up underneath the pearl. Okay, you know from the upper left flipper. And there's three targets, MAP, in the original implementation, those three targets started the three concentric rings. And so I think, I'm not 100% on this, but I think that if you just hit any of them now, it just starts spinning it. Okay. Um, it, most of the time, it does not have an effect on gameplay, but now and then it does. And sometimes it's a really good effect, and sometimes it's a really bad effect. I've had times where you know, I'm kind of trying to do a pass, and I, I hit it a little too hard, and the ball grabs it and pulls it around and drops it on my other flipper. And I'm like, oh, cool, thanks. That's exactly what I was trying to do. Right. I've also had times where it grabs it and slings it right down the middle, and I'm like, F you. Right. So, you know, it, it has an effect, but it's it's really not like a, a centerpiece of the gameplay. Right. Do you use the compass on the apron? I just found myself not even paying attention to it, but is it helpful? It is helpful. I mean, it is, um, you know, they've done the math and it tells you the statistically important shot for the best score or the best advancement in the game at any given time. I don't use it very much. It's honestly something that I, I keep reminding myself. I need to I need to look at that thing. That will help me. That will tell me what I need to be doing to get the best score right now. Right. Um, but usually I'm too lost in the moment. You know, I'm all, you know, oh, I'm working on my multiballs or I just have one more chapter and I'll get the wizard mode for movie two and you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of felt the same way when I was playing it yesterday. I, you almost, you're, you're, you're into what's happening on the play field so much and you're looking up at the screen. I, I, maybe you just have to learn how to look even further down at the apron. I just never really used it. Um, all right. So what, what is the one thing in the game do you think there's anything in the game though that makes people just go like, "Wow"? I mean, I'm always about the world under glass, the you know, seeing the ball do something completely magical. Do you think Pirates has that? Well, I think the cannon shot is pretty cool. 
you know, it shoots across the play field into the ship. If you get the sweet spot in the ship, there's this really satisfying clank and you get the nice explosion on the screen. It's very satisfying. And for a lot of people rolling up on the machine, I think that's probably, you know, a pretty good draw. Do you wish they would have made the cannon shot a little bit more dramatic, a la Houdini's sort of milk can shot that fires the ball all the way from the bottom of the play field to the top? Well, that would have been interesting, but, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of like the way they've done it, honestly. Right. I mean, to me, it's a lot of fun. It, it's it's something I'm always trying to shoot for, and it always feels good when I make it. Is there a mod coming? Because I know modding this game is something that a lot of owners have had a lot of fun with, and, and Yellow Bird, and there's some really cool stuff to put into the game. Is there a mod coming that's going to make the cannon look more like a cannon? I, I think that uh, the mod couple already has one. It's you know a little like plastic thing that affixes because the cannon right now is like just a metal right. trail, and so they've got this thing that sticks on the front that makes it look more like a cannon. Were Derek, so were, your, were your toppers were they centered with the back box or were they off centered? <laughs> no, both my toppers were off centered. Uh, my buddy with the CE uh, with really nice black pearl topper in the bottle, that one was centered just fine. Did so. That's it's just little stuff like that. Does it ever just drive you crazy when Jack's put together, you know, what you consider to be a nine thousand dollar masterpiece, and it's like, how did they get the centering wrong on a topper? I got no defense for that, man. I I agree. It's kind of puzzling. Um, I, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> All right. Well, just we'll chalk it up to a, a moment of of lapse of judgment. Whoever had the ruler out on that one. Um, all right, so Derek, any look, you love the game. I'm very skeptical of the game. I'm going to give it some more plays. Uh, I think we just like different things in pinball games, and that's that's totally fine. I do like more of theme integration, and, and I think the theme is really important. Uh, it sounds like what you're loving in Pirates are the shots, are the ways to approach the game. And we didn't even talk about you know, the 22 characters, but I've heard from a lot of people who love the game that what, what you guys love is all the different ways to approach the game. Is that true? Absolutely true. Um, and it, it differs from day to day. You know, like, okay, I want to try and get all six multiballs today, and that's what I'm going to shoot for. Or, you know, I want to master movie two wizard mode, or I want to get to movie two wizard mode. So I'm going to choose this character that makes that goal easier to achieve. You know, things like that. I mean, it's all, all the characters, It's to me, a lot of thought has gone into them to give them appropriate buffs and corresponding nerfs to make it balanced. And, you know, they all add a different experience to the game. Right. To me. Something that's interesting when, when I look at the pirate streams is, do you think this game is more fun to play or maybe it's equal fun, but is it more fun to play with other people with the plundering being part of the game experience or is it equally as fun to play solo? I think it's equally as fun to play solo. Um, I actually started pinball streaming just because if I'm playing by myself and I have a great game, the thing that makes pinball fun for me is when you've got somebody with you and they see you get that amazing extra ball shot or they see you tip off six multi-balls or whatever. Um, and so if you're just playing by yourself, no one sees that. And so I've started streaming so that I can you know, capture those moments and, and share them with people. Cool. And that makes it fun when I'm playing by myself. What do you, So I've heard a lot of people... Uh, some people complain about the plundering and I think right. it's actually to me, the plundering would make watching pirates within a pinball tournament a lot more exciting. And I love when the tournament players complain about some of that randomness, but the ability to steal someone's points and even in a steal a complete ball from them is 
I think pretty cool. I think pinball needs more of that. What do, what are your thoughts on the plundering in the game? Great question. So um, plundering can be kind of fun, but it can also be in bird culture kind of a dick move. So um, the way we usually play is like if you're having an amazing game, you know, you're over a million points, you're on your way to getting a, a really good score on the board. We're not going to be a jerk and like steal your ball or steal your points or anything like that. But, you know, my wife and I, especially when we play, she has no holds barred about taking stuff from me. And that's fine. Um, so uh, it's a fun little element. But I, honestly, we don't do as much plundering as I thought we did. I thought when the game was announced, I said, that's a really innovative feature. That's really interesting and cool. Um, it doesn't really happen that much for us just because we're kind of respectful of the other person's gameplay. Right. Oh, I'd be plundering all day long. I mean, a troll like me would, <laughs> would love something like that. Uh, all right. So, Derek, I, I'm really happy you, you came on and shared your opinions about the game. I think overall, this is a game that you have to play. And it sounds like you have to play it in, in, in not necessarily a home use environment, but you have to play a game that's set up the right way. And you it, it, it is beneficial to play it with someone who sort of knows the rules. I felt bad for Serge yesterday because he owns the game. Uh, like you do, Derek, and he was just like, "Oh, this is just not set up, right?" And I've I've been on Batman sixty sixes, which is my one game, out on location that just played like garbage, and it it's really hard to give a, an assessment when the thing isn't set up right. So if if you are interested sure. in pirates, time is running out, so you better go find one soon. Distributors are only going to have their allocations for oh so long before they're all spoken for. Because this is it. I don't know if they're even making any more. I think this is it. But there are still LEs and CEs available of the game. I've, I've looked as early as this morning. So if you want one, Derek, any final advice for someone who might be in the market for this game? Yeah, so um, I definitely say get it. It's a great game. You're going to have a good time with it. If you have problems with it, the community is here to help you. You know, We've got kind of a wiki that's going on, on the pin side thread. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid of the technical problems because most of them are pretty minor and easy to fix. It's just you have to know what they are. All right. There you go. Now, now that you're in this hobby, do you feel like you've got the pinball bug and you're you're constantly speculating about what's going to be the next game that grabs your excitement? Well, yeah, man. I mean, I'm listening to pinball podcasts. I'm, I'm like looking at the rumors. I'm trying to see who's making what. I'm going to TPF, you know, I'm. I, I'm all in now, man. Cool. No, I know. Once it happens, it happens. And so knowing what might be down the road in 2019, what, what game are you looking forward to the most? Wow. So there's been a lot of talk about Willy Wonka and Toy Story. And theme-wise, neither one of those just makes me say that's definitely something I want to buy. Um, but one thing I've learned about pinball, and Pirates is a great example of this, is that Theme and fun are completely different concepts. You can have a, a crappy theme that's a really fun game to play, and, and the inverse is also true. Um, for example, you know, Total Nuclear Annihilation. That game is a lot of fun to me, and you know, I wouldn't have given the theme a second thought because it's not a theme that I've heard of or recognized from a movie or whatever. Right. Um, so you know, I, I'm interested to see if Toy Story and uh, Willy Wonka happen to see what those are going to be and, and give them a try. But you know, for me. You, the, I really want to play most pins, I think, before I jump on them. So, right. So. It's, 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 I mean, I, I think we're at a point now, Derek, where well, you have to kind of do that now. I mean, this unless you're, you have to have like the rare LE 
there is no excuse anymore for not just playing the game first because you sh- you need to you need to have some time on a machine before you're going to spend the big bucks on these games. And these games are getting more expensive. I mean, unless you're going Stern Pro, uh, we're now you know most of these games are seventy five hundred and above. Yeah. So are you are are you Stern's next game is going to be a Steve Ritchie original? Uh, rumor is it might be Black Knight. Are you a fan at all of the Black Knight series, or are you? Are you looking for? Would you consider that as uh, since you like Star Wars, this is Steve's next game? So you know, I got into pins a little bit later in the tech cycle, right? I got into them in 2017, and so I'm sort of spoiled by newer machines that have the nicer you know screens on the back. I don't really like the DMD games as much, so and, and even for older ones than that, I'm, I'm not as interested in. So I have to say, I've not played either Black Knight game. Yeah, no, I haven't either. Uh, so, I think I played it once at Modern Pinball. Uh, it's gonna, you know, well, it's it's interesting you say that too because I think on pin side we we sometimes assume that people who are into this hobby have like this depth of knowledge of every game from the Bally Williams era and all the DMD games and and you represent exactly what people have wanted which is just let's get some more people into the hobby and the hobby is expanding and a lot of people are coming into this hobby every year and their first point of contact will be with more of the modern games that have the nicer displays the nicer sound systems and nicer artwork and all this stuff so the the bar is pretty high for new to the hobby people and what they expect in these games uh so willy wonk is not a theme that you're crazy about but you do appreciate what jersey jack is doing do you think jack is just trying harder than stern currently in terms of putting more into the games well i think they have different approaches right um from what i've seen the stern games are a little bit more conservative in terms of the the cost of the bill materials and the things they put in the game uh where jersey jack games are like you know they're kind of like it's comparing a porsche to a honda you know the jersey jack games are going to be more expensive and they know they're going to be more expensive and they want to put enough in there to deliver that value for you. Um, so I think that, you know, there's a market, there's a place for both, uh, you know, price points or, or approaches in my view. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that you, I mean, you definitely get more in the game for 9,000 if you're shopping a Jersey Jack game. But Stern also has the formula down on getting new games out every three to four months, which is kind of incredible. Yeah, for sure. We, I do hope that whatever Jack game, whatever game he shows next, he releases kind of close to the reveal of the game. Because as you know, you went through the pirate journey of reveal at Expo in 2017. People get excited. Yank features out. Oh, yes, pretty much past a year to the point you ended up getting one. But I think now with so many manufacturers, uh, you, you got to strike why the iron is hot and when the hype is hot on a game. Let's talk about Oktoberfest because that is a game that was shown at Expo. They're getting ready to show the final version of the game. It seems like a TPF, which you'll be at, so you'll be able to play it. Uh, what are your thoughts? Are you just Are you just going in with an open mind? Um, I, definitely an open mind. That's one thing I've learned about pins is not to prejudge it based on theme, not to prejudge it based on manufacturer. Just, you know, every pin is its own experience and some of them are great and some of them are less than great. And so, you know, Oktoberfest, it's kind of head scratcher for me in terms of theme. I'm like, you know, and, and you've made the point like, why the hell is this thing not coming out in October? You know, that's a very valid Fair point question. for Oktoberfest game. <laughs> um, you know, so it's like, you know, 
I'm, I'm interested to see it and play it because it's a new pin that I haven't seen before and it's the modern tech that I want to play. Right. It seems like they, when you start Oktoberfest, they, they took a page from Pirates in, in the way you choose the beer steins. It, it's very similar that each beer stein has a different uh, benefit to playing the game, similar to the 22 characters, and there's a different way to approach the game depending on how you start it. So uh, that's sort of catching on, it seems, in, in, in pinball. Uh, Deep Root is the, is the elephant in the room always when we talk about 2019 and have you been following Deep Root and the speculation of, of what might be coming out from our Texas mysterious manufacturer? No, I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm out of the loop on that one. I, I don't know what's up with Deep Root. So you came in after the John Papadug Magic Girl. Have you, when you read Pinside, do you, do you sort of feel like you get caught up on a little bit of the history of the failed boutiques like Dutch Pinball and Highway and Zidware? Yes. So let me speak to that for a little bit. So I almost got into pins when Big Lebowski came out because I'm a huge fan of that theme. And I didn't care about pins at all back then. But I said, these guys want four payments of $2,000 and they don't even have a game to show me yet. And as a, you know, I'm in software, I know how projects can fail. And I'm like, I'm not going to give these guys any money until I have a game. And in retrospect, that turned out to be a really smart decision. Um, I followed the J-pop thing because I think Totan is a really great game and it's one of my favorites. I hope to own one someday. And, um, you know, so I learned about J-pop and looked at some of the other stuff he did. And I learned about the whole magic girl saga. I'm like, wow, that sucks. And yeah, it is just like, you know, kind of the big Lebowski thing where people got burned and that's a bummer. Um, I am having, you know, kind of watched from the sidelines on both of those uh, spectacular failures and alien as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty cautious with that kind of thing. If there's a newcomer to the scene who's got a great idea and a great theme and a great license, it's like, great, I'm going to wait and see if you deliver. You know, I'm not, right. I, having just seen what's happened with those things, I would not get involved, you know, on speculation. Yeah, I, mean, I think we're at the stage now where the bo- the game should be inside a box and it should be yeah. at a distributor and then you call them up and they put it on a truck and there's no anxiety about whether or not they can even finish making the game. Uh, so Deep Root is apparently working on bringing John's Magic Girl and Raza and Alice in Wonderland to market. We'll see. I mean, I'm looking at the landscape over the next six months in pinball, and I'm really excited because I think for, for people like you, Derek, and, and most people out there, there's going to be a lot of options in 2019, a lot of exciting options on, on what to buy. And I think there's going to be a lot of variety. Uh, and that's going to create a win-win for the buyer. Uh, I think these manufacturers are going to have more pressure than ever to make a great game. Because I, I think if a game's mediocre, uh, it's not going to survive very long in this marketplace. So do you have you played Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle at any shows yet? Or is that still just something you've watched on streams? I have not. Um, my pinball collector friend in the Bay Area that I mentioned earlier has one coming, and so I'm looking forward to playing it at his house. And you, so you'll be at TPF though. You'll you'll probably play it there first. Are you going down to the yeah, show? Probably so. Yeah, probably okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to the show. So, how much room do you have? I always, I'm always curious when when <laughs> when you decide on a pin. Is it is it is it room? Is it just like I've only got a set amount of money? I want to invest in this hobby. Like what what? What are your barriers to loading the house with with pinball? That's an excellent question. So as a former arcade collector, 
my collection was 17 arcade games deep at one point. And um, I was single at the time. <laughs> um, That's how you I, get single. Said, sorry, go ahead. That's how you get single. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I you know my I'm story, right? I turned my bedroom into those games. I turned my bedroom into an arcade and lost my fiance, but it was worth it. Anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah, so I've always said space is the limiting factor in this hobby, and I think that's definitely true with pinball as well. How much space do I have? Well, the my house here has a media room upstairs with you know a you know a theater setup, and there's enough room for probably four pins in the four corners, and I've got two in there right now. So I could probably do two more. Uh, we've got some other bedrooms I could use if we really wanted to just keep stacking the house with pins, but probably four is what I'm going to max out at. And at that point, um, unless they're all like definite keepers, like for me, Pirates is a definite keeper. Uh, Star Wars is most likely a definite keeper. It's actually, my wife is a super Star Wars fan, so it's it's a definite keeper for that reason. Right. So, um, you know, I, I could see two more that are potential floaters where I play it for a while and then trade it out on a different one. Right. I've got, yeah, I've got room. I've got room for two, if but it would be a little bit of a tight fit. I mean, they're in my bedroom. I, I kind of like just having one. But what I've noticed in New York City, and I'm lucky to live here, I've started to meet people who have amazing collections. And there's also a, a lot of location play here that mm -hmm. I, I don't really feel the need to have to own everything. And so it does become sort of, for a game to make its way into my home, it needs to be it, almost like a keeper. Like this needs to be hit hit all of the things I'm looking for in a pinball machine. And I'll say Batman 66, I love it. I think it's great. I do think it's a little lacking in terms of layout and toys and stuff like that. So I think this could be the year in which Batman goes out and I'm also looking for something new to come in. I definitely, I hope that Willy Wonka and Pat Lawler knock it out of the park with this game I, I i my expectations are high um and then also if deep root has like a working magic girl i can't i can't lie I, I i'm definitely curious to see what they deliver no question it would be really exciting to to play another new j-pop game right and and also one that works <laughs> i think yeah. that's the main thing yeah uh what, what what do you think when you see games like lebowski selling for I think just one just sold for $19,900. You think that's like just rolling the dice though? Because where do you get parts on a, how do you spend 20 grand and there's no support? So I still love Big Lebowski as a theme and the game does exist now. There's one for sale in the Bay area. He wants 20 grand for it. Maybe we're talking about the same machine. Maybe it's not available anymore. Um, and I've, I've like, I've thought about it because I, I would love to own it, but I hesitate for exactly as you say, if I get this thing, and the rug tears. Where do I get another rug? You know, right. um, there's no support because this is just gone. So, if uh, you know Dutch pulls things out of the fire and gets a reasonable, you know, production setup going, I might be in on a new one from them. Um, but you know, I wouldn't want to buy one that's a limited edition, you know, halted production game that you can't get parts for. Right. And then there's also just, uh, for me, the fear too would be that because the game is fully designed and developed, that it would just get remade one day by one of these manufacturers who would just acquire all the R&D from Dutch and make it. I mean, it's 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 there. I mean, I don't know why Dutch doesn't just say it's over and set sail away from the hobby, but they, they continue to keep all of those people who are waiting in limbo in, in 
with false hope that they might get this game one day. And I also hear that Fox is now shopping around a manufacturer to actually make another Alien game because if you think about the licensor, they're not happy that the Alien Pinball game that the world has is the current state of Alien Pinball. So if you're Fox, you want to see that game made the right way. Uh, Do you think Jersey Jack, I heard the rumors that he got the, the, the Matrix license. That's really exciting to me. Um, I would love to see, you know, kind of a pirate's treatment done on the Matrix. You know, something that's kind of framed around the movies with, you know, lots of modes and lots of, you know, goals. I think that'd be great. Right, right. Well, Derek, I really appreciate you taking the time on this Sunday to join the show. I think for people who listened to the last podcast I did and now this one will understand the fair and balanced nature of Canada's <laughs> Pinball Podcast, where we let you hear... <laughs> the counterpoint to pirates. And I think Derek, you do represent the reality of this hobby is some people love a game. Some people might not like a game, but at the end of the day, if we were at a show, we'd enjoy a beer and we'd talk pinball and it, nothing's personal. These are just toys we enjoy. And they're more about bringing people together than they are about dividing us. Absolutely. That's what it's all about is having a good time. If you're not having a good time, you're doing it wrong. Absolutely. Well, Derek, thank you so much for joining the show. I might, I might call you to come back on at different points if, if, if I need another whether it's pirate fan or, or whatever's next from Jersey Jack I'm also just curious to see what you buy next I and mean, we're going to follow your story and see what two games go into those empty slots in the house how's that sound cool man thanks for having me all right have a great Sunday and we'll talk to you soon you too all right all right so can we let Canada back on the island wasn't that a nice chat with Derek Pirates of the Caribbean fan Uh, I thought he articulated very nicely why he's really into the game to the point where he owns two of them. And I saw on Pinside he was actually thinking of selling his two LEs and picking up a collector's edition. I also heard they're only making 100 collector's editions, so it actually will be Jersey Jack's first truly collectible collector's edition game. So, um, look, the verdict is still out on this game, and we all know that. And I think more than any other game, that is out there in the pinball world being talked about, this is one that you really need to get a lot of time on before apparently it will click for you. Uh, But everyone should be playing these pinball machines and understanding uh, what it takes to make a game desirable and make you want to buy it. And I think Stern does a good job of making their games immediately satisfying, uh, but I also understand that when you buy a game, and you put it in your home, and it's there, and you want it to be there for months, if not years, uh, the game needs to have a lot of depth to it. And most pinball games really don't. They really do fall short in that area. And I think Pirates of the Caribbean, the thing I will never argue against, is it does have a lot of depth, and it does have a lot of strategy, and it does have a lot of longevity. Uh, and then I think it just comes down to, to the subjective things, is will you enjoy what is in that longevity. Will you enjoy the depth? Will you want to go through the game? And will you enjoy those moments of the game? And some people will, and some people won't, and it's okay. And we should all be able to talk about it without arguing and screaming and fighting. Um, So we all love pinball, and that's how I'll sign off on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. If you would like to join the show, you see how it is. It's it's always a, a fun a fun journey when people come on the show and talk with Canada about their love for pinball and, and, and certain games in particular. If you would like to come on and share your opinions about something, CanadaPinball at gmail.com. Everybody, 
I encourage you, flip these machines before you buy them. And I don't mean like flip them for a profit. I mean, hit the buttons, enjoy them. It's just pinball. We all love the hobby. We love the community. It's growing at record pace, it seems. Pinberg sells out in seconds. Uh, so enjoy it. This is a new golden era of pinball, and we're all in it, and we're all in it together. Canada's Pinball Podcast out. If you were waiting for the opportune moment, that was it. Jack Sparrow. Captain, Captain Jack Sparrow. Well, I'm actually feeling rather good about this. I think we've all arrived at a very special place, eh? Spiritually, ecumenically, grammatically. I want you to know that I was rooting for you. Know that. Elizabeth. It would never have worked between us, darling. I'm sorry. Well. Nice hat. This is the day that you will always remember as the day that you... What's missing from Pirates of the Caribbean for me is all the humor of Jack Sparrow and that iconic theme song. How could you say it's the greatest game of all time when all that stuff is not in the game? It should have been. Anyway, goodbye, everyone.